We what are live, folks. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Run and Gun Podcast. This weekend, we welcome Mr. Bob Rose from Sports Bob- Illustrated. Sports Illustrated. He's also a Saints beat writer for Sports Illustrated, and he's a member of I believe, the Bayou Blitz. Yeah, the Bayou Blitz. I'm I'm drawing a blank on so many things, and I think y'all might know why. I had a long weekend this weekend. <laughs> um, but uh, Mr. Bob Rose, how are you doing this evening? I'm real good, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, and and yeah, I do. Uh, my my primary responsibility is through the Saints News Network, uh, and we do the New Orleans Saints coverage for the uh, SI.com Sports Illustrated Team Channel, uh, you know, through Fan Nation. I know that's a mouthful, but that's uh, yeah, that, that that's the legal moniker, I think. Uh, and yeah, you know, we uh, you know, I'm co-host with Brendan Boylan for the Bayou Blitz podcast uh, on Wednesday night. So that'll be kicking off in about an hour. But thank you guys so much for having me on with you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Thanks for giving us some time before your next podcast to come on and talk for a little bit here. Right. I see Ace got his all got all his all his Saints swag on and stuff tonight. <laughs> Ace opening week. And hey, we got a whole entire NFC South thing going this evening, honestly. We really do. I like it. But folks, you know, as always, we're gonna talk about everything. We're gonna we're gonna break down week one of the NFL schedule and everything like that. We're gonna talk about what we saw this weekend in college football, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the downright horrendous. Yeah. Um we're gonna talk about all of it. Uh, you know, he game this weekend in Baton Rouge taking place. And I think our guest knows a lot about it. LSU and Southern for the first time ever. And then even the the game that's going to be played next year in Tiger Stadium, LSU and Grambling, which nobody mm-hmm. would have ever dreamed of. Wow. Hugh that's Jackson true. pulling. Hugh Jackson pulling for Grambling. Wow. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we're going to talk about the road ahead for FAMU and what happened this weekend and why it's not – Time to hit the DEFCON button yet, and why I don't think we'll be hitting the DEFCON button at all this season. But you know, your friend, our friend, like, share, subscribe, and let's roll the intro and get it going. Exactly, yeah. Like you said, and there it goes, and there it goes again. Tee up. But yeah, you always striking out. <laughs> Look, like I said, I had a long weekend, and I'm still recuperating. I will be ready by Saturday. Don't you worry. Let's go. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is GP. This is the boom. This is JC. This is Flash. This is Jimmy Hendricks. And you're listening to. And you're listening to. And you're listening to. And you're listening to the Run and Gun Podcast. Get it going. You already know. You already know. So, I since he's our guest, you know, we're going to, have to just introduce him a little bit to the culture and stuff. So we got to show, we got to show him how, how we do it here. So, do you think? And actually, you know, I'm gonna start off with it because he's our guest. So, Bob, 
main thing going on this weekend. It's on the SEC Network. It's in a primetime spot. It's the first time ever it's happening. LSU and Southern this weekend. You know, but I know I know you're you're a Louisiana guy. Like, what, what can what do you think we can expect from this game this weekend? Uh, well, yeah. First of all, I I, I love to see schools like Southern. Uh, you know, get featured on a primetime pro- broadcast. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm hoping that they put on a good show. Obviously, LSU is heavily favored to win. Uh, and yeah, there, there's a lot of questions about this LSU team you know, kind of coming off a head-scratching loss to Florida State. It wasn't so much that they lost to the Seminoles. It was how they lost. And you know, a lot of the Tiger fan base is already down the throats of Brian Kelly. Uh <laughs> And yeah, I, I, I just kind of sit back. I'm eating my popcorn. I'm shaking my head and I'm like, yeah, it, it, it's week one, folks. Uh, you know, they'll they'll turn it around. Uh, you know, the, the Tigers at LSU has a ways to go before being back in the national title uh, you know, conversation, even in the SEC title conversation. But they're still a major college program. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for Southern to show off its own talents and program. Yeah. Honestly, I, I jokingly always say I think that the best tailgate in the country is about to take place this weekend in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now, I don't think it's going to be an empty bowl of crawfish and gumbo all around that stadium. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it's a golden opportunity. You get to see the jukebox. You get to see LSU's band and everything. I think, as they call it, as we call it down here, you know, zero quarter, that's going to be – probably the most interesting thing that'll happen. But I think LSU's still gonna do the pregame festivities to start. Mm-hmm. But I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be good. And then the other thing that people aren't talking about either is the fact that LSU plays grambling next season too. Yeah. So that's yeah, and before yeah. we came on, Hugh Jackson pulling big now. He's like he got the Gerard. I know they probably had this game scheduled before Jackson came, but now you have like a NFL coach down in Grambling. They built a pretty decent roster I'd say you know, during the off season. So, you know, what do you expect? You're yeah. giving the, like how Bob said, you're giving these HBCUs some more uh, national primetime spotlight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always a good thing to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. And these HBCU schools have deserved, uh, you know, this kind of publicity and more for quite some time. Uh, you know, it's a shame that it took a handful of you know, big name coaching hires, you know, starting obviously with Deion Sanders. Uh, but if that's what it takes to start getting these schools some notoriety, start some national recognition of you know, the the not only the talent or not only the programs themselves uh but the talent individually within those programs if that's what it took to bring the spotlight onto them you know that then so be it uh and you know now now the ball is kind of in their court if you'll excuse the expression uh you know to kind of show that they can hang with the proverbial big boys uh but even if they can't right off the bat i think it's only a matter of time yeah honestly i think so too I think so. We got a compliment actually. So you can expect LSU's fans singing to Southern's neck. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's going to be expected. I think for back to back weeks, the Marching Tiger Band is going to be drowned out by someone else playing a song better than them. Mm. Great weeks. That's what I think. That is true. I mean, FSU came in. We'll talk about it more. They had the whole Jameis tribute they had going on. Mm-hmm. It, uh, so it was like coming in, everybody just coming on and being out F- LSU's band. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we got to talk about this one right here. 
you know, I think Ace knows where I'm about to go with this. I'm not, I'm not going to rant on this, but I will say, and I know everybody here saw what took place Sunday. Shador was what 14 to 14. He had four incompletions the entire game. Four incomplete, yeah, four incompletions the entire game. I, you know, there's so many questions I have right now. The, the main one I have is, is what what was Fanny thinking when we line up in when you get inside the 20, you need to get up on the line and jam the receiver. <laughs> Why are you still off the receivers in Jackson State's inside the red zone? Like, what are we doing? That's catastrophic failure on all three levels. Exactly. And then so and what you end up with is this the worst loss of the Willie Simmons era. You have FAMU's largest loss, biggest loss to an FCS program since Coastal Carolina came into Tallahassee and beat them 63 to 3 in 2014. This is the worst conference loss FAMU's ever suffered to another HBCU for the first time since 2006 when Hampton came to town and beat them 50, 57, to, 57 to 3. It's like this, this honestly was shocking. Very shocking. Good comment. Is it though? Because, yeah, and you know, this is no disrespect to, you know, to Willie Simmons' program, and I hope his job is not in trouble. Uh, but, Deion Sanders has done such a wonderful job of recruiting since he got there. Uh, you know, his name alone was going to bring in talent. And yeah, I suspect without doing a whole lot of research, because like I told you guys pre-show, uh, you know, Kyle T. Mosley, you know, my boss at Saints News Network, he's our HBCU guy. Uh, you know, so without me doing a whole lot of research, uh, you know, it, it, my question to you guys would be, is Jackson, uh, is, is Deion Sanders program just that much more talented than the average program on their same level at this point. Honestly, to be honest with you, the that's a fair statement, I think. Say like, it was I say I think that's probably a fair statement at this point. You know what you're seeing. I mean, they didn't show it when they played South Carolina State, but also then again, mm-hmm. South Carolina State's been a program that's been around for like last five, six years. Not even producing players that. longer than that. But yeah, I think honestly, and I hate to admit it, but I'm gonna be honest with you. Jackson State, when what Deion Sanders has done, because honestly, I, I kind of figured I was like, you know, there's there's gonna be some little lackadaisical moments, but sure. he has elevated them to an even higher pedigree because he went out, he changed his offensive coordinator, changed his defensive coordinator. He went out and he brought he brought power and he brought speed in. He, he, he's recruited off of rosters of Indiana, Florida State, Florida, Texas A&M, Louisiana Monroe. He's gotten guys and brought them in. He just got a – he got the week of the game, I think Friday – no, Saturday night, he got a commit from, from a lineman from USC. So, I mean, he's, he's slowly loading up. He said in the Orange Blossom Classic uh, press conference Saturday, you know, we want to dominate. And I think honestly, the way that they lost that celebration ball to South Carolina State, they realized that you know we can we got to go up from here. And I think mm-hmm. I, I think they're looking beyond the swack as far as dominating. They I do want, too. They want to be able to you know compete with the North Dakota States, the James Madison. Well, James yeah. Madison gone. North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana State, Montana yeah. schools like that. I don't see anybody in the swack touch. I don't see anybody in the swag touching them either. I think 
I think FAMU was just the first building block in a long list of teams that's going to get that's going to get knocked down. I think I think Tennessee State's going to be another victim this weekend. I think, but I think Tennessee State held their own this weekend against Eastern Washington. But I think they're going to get. I think Tennessee State's going to catch an L too. But I, I feel sorry for Grambling, Bethune, all of them that have to see them. But Do I, you guys think that uh, that the other schools in the in your conference and you know just maybe all other HBCU schools? Do you think that they're feeling the pressure? to to bring in a big name coach like Jackson State did with Dion uh, and like Hugh Jackson just to recruit on their level. Honestly, to an ex- to an extent, yeah, I do because I think when we saw Grambling last season, they were not. They, I, th- I think. Oh my gosh, what is his name? I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank with drawing a blank with his name. He played for Eddie Robinson at Grambling. Doug Williams. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't Doug Williams. He was the coach prior, though, and he got. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, Ro- Coach Robert. No, Fobbs. Coach Coach Fobbs. Coach Fobbs at Grambling, I think, had lost the team. I think, and I, at that point, I think it was as golden of an opportunity as any to move on from Coach Fobbs, especially after you know he came to Tallahassee and got embarrassed on homecoming. And I think Grambling realized we got to start competing at a higher level and start drawing a, a, a different type of athlete. So that's why they went out and got a Hugh Jackson. And I think that's why Tennessee State went out and got an Eddie Rob, not, not Eddie Robinson, Eddie George. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I mean, look, the SWAC went through a lot of changes with adding coaches. I mean, you have Coach Dooley, who leaves Prairie View, who had taken Prairie View to the SWAC West title and the SWAC championship. He's now at Southern. And he's doing a pretty good job for himself so far. We'll see what he does this weekend in Baton Rouge against Southern. I mean, against LSU. Um, you've got Eddie Robinson Jr., former NFL player, who's now at Alabama State. So I'm, we're going to see how that unfolds and everything. He already brought in some pretty decent talent as well. He brought he has a he has an Auburn transfer starting at quarterback right now. So I mean, a lot of these rosters were they were flipped in the offseason. I mean, Coach Maynard, he's basically rebuilt a whole new team, a whole new team now with Alabama AM. So we'll see what they what they're like in a few weeks when they come to Tallahassee. But I will say this. Um, as far as FAMU goes, I would not count them out yet. It's still possible that you could go nine and two again this season. We saw it last year. They lost first two games, JSU and USF, and they came back and ran the table on them. So exactly. I wouldn't count them out. So, like we said, don't go to DefCon one. It's still <laughs> like DefCon five. Yeah, well, five no, or four. It's it's one because five is five is the least. I know it's kind of it's backwards, but one is the worst. Def That's Con. what I'm saying. It's not DefCon one. We're, we're right now at like DefCon five, DefCon yeah. four. It's one of those two numbers. It's not it's not one. Don't don't say all right. We got a clear house and all that. I know. <laughs> I'm sure some fans thought that you know no, during that game. No, see. Here's the thing before before we move on. Here's the thing that I took away from it. Where, why are we yelling that we need to make a change at quarterback after three series of offense? <laughs> right. I I just I don't get that. I I mean, look, because he's not playing well and he's not connecting with his receivers. Nobody played well. Exactly. Nobody played well. Coach Simmons already said in his little in his in his talk, his weekly show, you know, guys ran the wrong routes. 
center the center didn't make the right didn't have the snap right the protection was wrong on on punts like you can't just run all of a sudden because there's a little adversity to go change the quarterback out that's the case mm-hmm. i mean geez why is james winston still playing in the nfl <laughs> right exactly i was gonna literally say that like and then let, let's look at another one you know we we, we you'll end up like the cleveland browns exactly so why yeah why are just running we're running it for the hills it's so much adversity and i think this is where one of my tweets was misinterpreted this weekend when i said you know i'm curious no, you'll end up like the carolina panthers i don't want to cut you off but you'll end up like the carolina panthers they ran through so many different quarterbacks in cam newton's mvp season mm-hmm. i'm not gonna even get into the list but if you want to just transfer it over to the nfl we can get into that list oh, because wait, i mean hold 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 because my my thing my tweet got misinterpreted this weekend when i said Oh, you know, I'm curious to see who Fami plays next year for the Orange Blossom Classic because you need to find an inferior opponent or a lower tier swag school. That's not me basically saying that you need to tuck tail and run. Believe me, this show is the last source that'll tell you to tuck tail and run. I can guarantee you that. I will put money on that. I'll bet the house on it. Nobody here is saying tuck tail and run. What I'm saying is, for those that don't get it, is Jackson State comes to Tallahassee next year. So who do you replace Jackson State with? Hello, McFly. Hello. <laughs> You're going to well, find your opponent regardless. Or so right. school that you can beat. It, it, it's the same. It's a very simple concept. Yeah, I mean, high school football programs do it. Major college football programs do it for their homecoming. You want you want to schedule an opponent that you're ideally going to smash up all around the field. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that that's not it, yeah that's not you admitting that your school is inferior to Jackson State or anybody else. Uh, you know, it's just it's a it, it's right on par with Auburn scheduling Vanderbilt. Or you know, a, a Ohio State scheduling—I don't know—Illinois Southern State A and M or something. Uh, you know, you you want a school that you're ideally going to to kick around the field and kind of boost up your fan base. That, that's what that's what that's all about. Thank you. All right, I say we get into the. Oh, well, let's do the Saints first because. We got a Saints reporter here. I don't want to. The Panthers, all the weird things were said about them in the last 48 hours that I just find <laughs> blasphemous, but we won't get into that yet. <laughs> but we're all NFC South fans here in this show, except for the other two crappy teams in the division. But yeah, so I was going to ask Bob, what do you make of. You know, the Gardner-Johnson trade, and then you're bringing Michael Thompson's limited participant in practice this week. They say he's most likely a go this week. Olave, I know ranked fifth on the depth chart. I told people yesterday, don't flip out about that. That's just what the Saints do. Right. And then you only have Mark Ingram as your viable backup running back for the Saints. What do you make of those aspects of the Saints, the biggest questions coming into the season, not to mention Jameis Winston's health? And what do you expect for them this season? Uh, first, I'll start from my, with Michael Thomas. Uh, yeah, he has been nursing a hamstring injury through training camp, as you said. Uh, yeah, all signs look 
uh, are pointed for him to be a full go for Atlanta on Sunday. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people in the Saints fan base that have been calling you know, Thomas soft, uh, among other names I can't say on the on the program uh, Wait, you know, during his time that? out with WhatsApp. People are actually saying that. I don't want to mean like interrupt you, but I'm just shocked. I, I didn't know that. I mean, I oh, remember. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, and, and I counter with them like, look, the guy suffered one serious injury and had a setback after surgery. That's all. Before that, he played 69 of his first 70 games. Uh, and I'm not going to bore you guys with the numbers, but I got him. He was highly productive in all 69 of those games. So you're, yeah, you're just, uh, are, are people criticizing Jameis uh, Winston for being soft because he suffered one major knee injury? Uh, you know, how about anybody else that suffered one injury that caused them to miss a season or a season and a half? Michael Thomas is not soft. Uh, you know, a, a hamstring, as you guys know, a hamstring injury on a wide receiver or a cornerback or a running back is something you don't play around with. You got, you need to give them as much rest as possible. Otherwise, a setback in that kind of way is going to keep your guy out for six to eight weeks. Uh, yeah, so I think the Saints were just handling Mike Thomas with kid gloves throughout the preseason, as Dennis Allen was doing with a lot of his veterans. The last thing you need are, you know, is for needless injuries to happen during a preseason game uh, or training camp. And we saw that already with Trevor Penning. You don't need it to happen to other high-end starters. Uh, yeah, so I'm not too worried about Michael Thomas. Uh, you, you mentioned Chris Olave. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I chuckled when I saw him fifth on the depth chart because it didn't surprise me one bit. Uh, Alave is going to get his snaps. He's going to get his opportunities. Uh, you know, the Saints just they've done that all through the Sean Payton era to kind of to open the season and kind of give respect and pay homage to the veterans. Uh, yeah, but you know, Sean Payton always looked at you know, the media depth chart as kind of a joke. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he, he used it to, to ruffle feather, feathers in the media. He admitted so himself. Uh, Jameis Winston is the key to this team, obviously, uh, outside of injuries, of course, with ravaged this team last year. Mm-hmm. And I know detractors of Jameis will quickly point to the 30 interceptions he threw with Tampa Bay. Uh, but you need to look at a couple things. A, Jameis also threw for over 5,000 yards that season. B, Jameis never, ever had a running game or a consistent defense in Tampa Bay to support him. Not to mention he lacked coaching uh, you know, continuity. You know, uh, all this, this is not the Tampa Bay team that uh, you know, Jameis did not have the Tampa Bay team that Tom Brady walked into. They catered to Tom Brady, and rightfully so, when you bring in a you know, five, six-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, Jameis has the best roster he has ever had. Uh, and I know he's going to have to silence some critics, but I think he has the tools to do exactly that. He was just reaching a comfort level with the Saints offense last year when he went down. Uh, and that was with limited weapons. Now you get Mike Thomas back. You get Jarvis Landry. You get a healthy Alvin Kamara. You get Chris Olave. And their starting offensive lineman, line for the Saints played 22 snaps together last year. Mm. This offensive line, as long as they stay healthy and can keep Jameis upright, I think he's going to put up big, big numbers in 2022. Dude, All right. Um, let me ask you one question. So me, me and you were uh, talking – you and I were talking about this pre-draft, right? Like who do you want to see the Saints draft first round and whatnot? What your expectations were? I don't know if you remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. And what was your reaction when you saw the Saints trade up to 11? And what was your reaction when you saw who the pick was being Olavi after the entire year of the fan base begging for a receiver? 
or any sort of offensive weapon outside of Camara. Yeah, and not only was I begging for it, but I was begging for Chris Olave specifically since like last November. Uh, when they made the move to trade up, I slid to the edge of my seat, uh, and I don't remember what I was holding in my hand, but I thought to myself, I'm like, if they don't go wide receiver here, I think I'm going to break my, my TV. Uh, yeah, that I, I, I'm, I'm media, but I'm a fan too, folks. Uh, and Alabe, I, I, I think, is the perfect fit for this offense. Uh, yeah, I know the, the Ohio State connection with New Orleans goes far back and you know, very successful. Uh, yeah, but, but Alave has the speed and athleticism to take the top off the defense. Uh, you know, obviously, that's what, every, that's what the average person sees on film. Uh, you know, what a more astute observer will also realize is that he is a heck of a route runner. Uh, you know, he is going to pick up this uh, once he picks up this offense full fledged. Uh, you know, he is going to be a weapon on all three levels uh, you know, of the offense against opposing defenses. I think Alave is going to be a terrific fit for Jameis Winston in this offense. Now, I will say I'm excited at the fact that because I got Michael Thomas on my fantasy team, so I'm, I'm excited. I got Olave. He took him in third round. Oh, he's hot. We should have been quicker, but I will say I, I, I bring I, him. I think that, yeah, as long as Jameis can just stay healthy and stay consistent, I think the Saints got a shot. Oh, we got a comment. Let me see. I don't, I don't get this. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it either. Unless he's offering. <laughs> um, I can't. I mean, I'm, I'm not American, at least. <laughs> I'm not a beer guy. I mean, I'm pouring me a good mojito or like a Moscow mule or Blue Long Island. I'll take it. But. <laughs> Uh, JP, you had a question. I was going to ask him, uh, what do you think of Olave's, like, what is your expectation for his role? Do you think it would be, a, like, a 1B, a 2, or a 3? I assume he'll be top 3 in the depth chart. For him, for Bob, I mean, I didn't know if you had one for him. I didn't want to, like, cut off your question before that comment. As long as Michael Thomas is healthy, he's the alpha uh, of that receiving core. Uh, you know, even yeah, and they said they didn't sign Jarvis Landry until after the draft, which I found you know kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, it made me worry about the health of Michael Thomas when they signed Jarvis. I think to open the year, there's no question that Jarvis Landry is going to be the number two receiver uh, to a healthy Michael Thomas. But I see Alave working his way up into. Uh, into that second spot or at least a 2B slot because Pete Carmichael their offensive coordinator he's going to run you know, he's going to he's going to run tons of multi multiple receiver formations at opposing defenses uh, you know, you're going to see Olave out of the slot. You're going to see him on the outside. Uh, you know, you're going to see Pete try to move Olave around as he as he develops comfort uh, in the offense. You're going to see uh, Olave moved around to try to take advantage of those matchups athletically. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas, you already know, is going to draw the best two uh, you know, cover defenders the defense has to offer, no matter where he lines up. It's up to Pete Carmichael to find the ideal matchups for those other weapons and then up to Jameis Winston to find the best guy in each situation. All right. Um, so I'm going to you this one. I was only eight when the 2011 season happened. So I don't know if you were covering the Saints back in 2011, but Sean Payne was on the uh, K Adams new show, right? And he was talking mm -hmm. about how Pete Carmel was the play caller during the 2011 season. And that was <laughs> dear Drew Brees should have won MVP. So I was going to say like, how what was in that offense that made it so prolific? And do you think there's any spots from that 2011 offense that they could use now in 2022, even if the NFL has changed in some regards since? 
The number one thing that made the offense so prolific was some guy named Brees, uh, the, the most athlete, the most uh, accurate quarterback in NFL history. Uh, but a close second to that was the cohesion that Brees, Peyton, and Pete Carmichael, and really that entire staff had. Uh, you know, you had some one. Brees had some wonderful weapons. Uh, you know, I will grant you that. You know, Jimmy Graham, the tight end, you know, being a matchup nightmare was at the top of the list. Uh, but he didn't have a Michael Thomas. He didn't have what we think a Chris Olave is going to be. And most importantly, he didn't have an Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, the, the human cheat code anywhere on the field. Uh, you know, so I think it's those guys that are going to make the difference. You know, Jameis Winston, I love Jameis. I have since Florida State. He's not going to be a, a Drew Brees, but he has different ways that he can beat a defense. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be very interested in how Pete Carmichael utilizes what Jameis Winston does best. Uh, and you know, I, I, other than that, I think the offensive line for this team, if they stay healthy, because they're thin right now, it's a big concern. Uh, but if they stay healthy, it's every bit as good as what Brees had in 2011. Uh, and when you have a dominant offensive line, you can bully opponents into pretty much anything that you want. Uh, yeah, I, I look for Kamara, Mike T to have big years uh, yeah, again. Uh, and something that we didn't see from the Saints very much last year, uh, yeah, Kamara is going to be used a whole lot more as a receiver out of the backfield and split wide uh, yeah, than what we saw. And that's something else that the 2011 team didn't have. They had Darren Sproles, who was great on those wheel routes, but kind of limited on what, Dar- you know, what Darren could do uh, you know, as a receiver. Alvin Kamara, there is no limitation to what he can do on a football field. That's true. Um, well, I've just made my decision for who I'm taking with my seventh pick at nine o'clock. <laughs> Dude, look, I'm gonna be real with you, man. I haven't seen. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen Kamara play in real life, but yep. yeah, yeah, I did. I saw him. I went to the 2018 Bucks Saints game, the one where Godwin caught the last second game oh, you touchdown. That? But oh, I also saw Kamara just kill Tampa in that game. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I, when he when he ran back that kick return that day, I, I was that, like, I had that was that was so great. That was my only football game like NFL wise I've been to. I told myself I wanted to go, but that man. was a great one. That was your first NFL game. Yeah, dude, what, dude? My first my first <laughs> NFL game wasn't even a Bucks game. If I must be honest with you, my first NFL game was the Falcons and the Panthers. I think it was Michael Vick's rookie year. Mm. It was. It was Michael. Vick. I knew then Michael Vick. Was you there. find the money back then to go for football games. <laughs> I mean, well, the only reason why I went to it too was because I went to the Atlanta Football Classic that year. It was 2001. I went to go see FAMU and Tennessee State play, and just so happens the Falcons were playing the Panthers that day. So, like, we were like, you know what? All right. Why not? So. All right, JP, what was that question before we move on to the other games for Week One? Wait, what? Wait. No, I thought you had a question for him. Oh no, I mean he 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 covered everything. He covered everything. Uh, basically, I was gonna. All right, cool. Let's talk about the blast me in Carolina. Oh yeah. I was thinking talk about the blast me in Carolina, but um, you know, I have zero faith in. I've said this on our podcast a lot. I have zero faith in Matt Rule as a coach. I know people are like really high on Baker. I don't have nothing against Baker. That team. But Matt Rule is just my biggest concern with them. And since Cam Brady, uh, Cam Brady, Cam Newton's 2015 season, then he left in what, 2019 or whatever year it was, mm-hmm. right? They've ran through so many different quarterbacks and like he can't find his guy. And what he wants is like, 
how, how do you expect them to go with a quarterback in his first year, getting late traded, not even having like a proper two months with your wide receivers? People are taking them to win the NFC South. Yeah, who? I I haven't seen it outside uh, of Kyle Grant did what? Well, yes, I assume he did that for the clicks. I want to uh, see. It, it, listen, I, Carolina, Carolina to me has the talent the starting talent to compete for a wild card berth. Uh, they're, they're thin on both offense and defense, but they have a lot of young pieces. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield's a solid quarterback if you run the right system, but therein lies the rub. And like you guys said, Matt rule is a dead man walking. Uh, you know, I, I think the yeah, I, I think the Panthers will beat the Browns this weekend. I, I think they'll pull, they'll pull that one out. Uh, but outside of that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a Panthers fan, but you have uh, little faith in Matt Rule. You almost have to root for the team to get off to a slow start because I could see that man getting fired before the end of October. Uh, and then at that point, hopefully, ownership in the front office will find some kind of direction for this franchise before they start u- losing this young talent and free agency. Uh, yeah. I think the Panthers have the talent to pull, to, to pull off some upsets this year, but I don't see them anywhere near a wild card bird. I was gonna say his his first draft class was strictly all defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and I think the I think this Baker Mayfield experiment is him basically on life support because yeah, he was, he was coach. He was the head coach of Baylor when Oklahoma, when Oklahoma had Baker Mayfield. So I mean, mm-hmm. he's probably thinking in my mind, oh well, this guy comes from the Big Twelve. His offense at Oklahoma was very similar to mine. So I think that if we can put two minds together. We can make this work in the NFL, but honestly, look, hey, it don't always work like that. You look at Greg Schiano. Look at uh, oh, not, we're not even gonna touch that guy. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Look, look, you didn't have to sit through what three years of Greg Schiano and have to watch that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I did. They, uh, the Bucks were on TV, but when they were blackout, I was watching the Saints games, so that's how I became a Saints fan <laughs> back in like the year, late two thousands. But then. You still have to read the Tampa papers and talk about right. Shiano and they're ruining Josh Freeman. Still mad about that. That was one thing I didn't like the Bucks for. And then you got Shiano bringing in Mike Glennon, going into network, even though he insisted he would. Connor Barth got rid of him. You got rid of all your good players. And then you're like, okay, we're going to tank. Lovey Smith got rid of Connor Barth. That's who got. And he brought in Kyle Brenza from Notre Dame and it didn't work at all. It was terrible. But I digress. I'm sorry. <laughs> All um, right. Something else interesting for this weekend. Who should start Sunday? He named. He didn't name Trubisky. He did he name Trubisky. Captain. But he named him. Oh, he named him as QB1? Yeah. On oh, the depth chart, yeah. There you have Pickett's it. Pickett's number two. There uh, had Mike Madden. I think Mark Madden, not Mike Madden, in Pittsburgh. He was. He was hot when they put Trubis, uh, Pickett over Rudolph. Because last week's depth chart, it was Rudolph over Pickett. And now this week is Pickett over Rudolph. And I don't know, something in Pittsburgh, everybody's mad about that. I mean, I have I have more faith in Kenny Pickett coming off the bench than I do Mason Rudolph. I think we've all seen enough of Mason Rudolph. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, Mason Mason could be a solid backup quarterback, good backup quarterback in the right system. 
Uh, yeah, but Pitt, Pittsburgh's had his fill of them. You don't spend a first round draft choice on uh, on a quarterback to to keep him on the bench for very long. Uh, and yeah, Mitchell Trubisky, he he is who he is. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a caretaker quarterback. Uh, and yeah, I don't see the Steelers as being a very talented team. They have some great pieces. Uh, you know, I, I love Najee Harris. I love Watt on the edge. I love Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, they're they're among the league's best players at their position, uh, but they got no offensive line. Trubisky's going to be running for his life. So, it, you know, if you're Mike Tomlin, and by the way, as long as you have Mike Tomlin on the sidelines, you're going to be competitive in every game. Uh, you know, so the Steelers aren't going to be stellar dwellers. They're just not a playoff team. But when yeah. do you pull the trigger and bring your rookie in? Uh, and if your offensive line is, is is as bad as what I think it's going to be, do you give him the David Carr treatment and possibly subject him to PTSD for life? Uh, or do you roll with Trubisky and see what you can get uh, you know, d- down the stretch and maybe challenge for a wild card bird? Mm. Mm. Well, so Pittsburgh, there's one thing I didn't like about Pittsburgh was – their mentality in drafting, they keep taking these like offensive skill position players with their top picks. Last year was Harris, Fryer Mood, this year Pickett and Pickens mm-hmm. instead of addressing the offensive line, which I know Saints fans have their thing about them been drafting offensive and defensive line players since <laughs> Lattimore in 2017 up until Olave this year. Mm-hmm. It was only defense and offensive linemen, but that is now your strength because you invest into that position and they're like, Mm-hmm. That's the one thing with Pittsburgh; they never thoroughly invested in it. Uh, no, you're right, and I think that that's why, uh, yeah, that's why the Steelers are going to struggle. Uh, you know, you have a talented back like Najee Harris, but you can't open up holes for him. Uh, yeah, that's going to wear him down real quick. Uh, and you all know that the shelf life of an NFL running back is short as it is. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very disappointed in the pieces that yeah the Steelers have surrounded. Uh, you know, they're, they're running back and young quarterback with, we'll see how it plays out. You know, may, maybe they have some fines in these you know, middle round draft picks. Uh, yeah. But statistically speaking, uh, you, you, you got to address the position uh, you know, with higher draft choices uh, or more high profile free agent signings. And, you know, it just, it, it doesn't consistently work otherwise. Mm-hmm. This one right here. Who y'all got is NFL MVP this season. Mm. I just might as well do our predictions. I, I I know some people in the uh, in Saints headquarters are saying Jameis Winston could have an MB, MVP year. Uh, and look, I think it's possible he puts up MVP statistics. But it's as simple as this: in today's NFL, if your name isn't Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, or now probably Josh Allen, you're not going to get MVP. You're just not. Uh, yeah. So it's you know if one of those guys, if one of those guys so much as lives through the season they'll get the MVP. That's just, it, it, it's unfair. Uh, yeah, but that's just the way it is. It's, I'm glad you said that because honestly, with with MVP, to me, it's just like, it's unfortunate like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Versus, you know, I feel like the Pro Football Hall of Fame, now at least, it's like popularity because, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I felt like a guy like Kurt Warner had should have been should still be waiting to get in. And Marshall Falk, too, as good as Marshall Falk was, I feel like Marshall Falk should still be waiting. I feel like John Lynch should still be waiting to get in. Lynch, and, yeah. But I feel like because of those guys in the positions that they're in now, or well, in, Mar- in Marshall Falk's case, the position he was in when he was on TV, 
that's why they got in. Because it's I, why is it so ironic that half half the analysts on NFL Network are all Pro Football Hall of Famers? <laughs> so ironic. It, it is no coincidence, uh, and yeah, they, it, it's it's a fairly well known fact. Uh, you know that Chris Carter. Uh, you know, after retirement and waiting a couple years to get in. And Chris Carter is a rightful Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, but he didn't get in the Hall of Fame until he started becoming a more prominent broadcaster uh, and, and studio analyst. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, I think some of those former players that are just on the cusp are making those moves partially because of that. Yeah. And it, and this is why this is why I say it's I think it's criminal that guys like Ken Riley, who basically in a time where the NFL was not very, very pass heavy, is still not a Hall of Famer. Yet he he has he's top five, what top three in interceptions all time yep. still. And then you have Kenny Stabler, God rest his soul, and former Saint and Raider. Mm-hmm. But it's a shame he had to wait as long as he did to get in the hall of fame. It's a shame he had to, he died before he got in, which mm-hmm. is shameful. I can't believe that. So, I mean, it's, I hate to say it, but that that's become a popularity contest as well as MVP, but that's, that's it, has. Uh, it, it, it has. It has. One more name, but, but for, excuse me for that. I was going to say one more name. I know you mentioned Allen Brady, Rogers, Mahomes. I'll say also if Herbert makes the playoffs and he has, mm-hmm. Like a decent interception touchdown, a touchdown interception radio, mm-hmm. he's probably will get it if he finishes above Josh Allen in standings. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, uh, and yeah, I, and I almost included Herbert in that list. Uh, yeah, but the, those other guys all have playoff accomplishments too. Uh, yeah, Brady, Brady and Rogers have been you know, immediate darlings for uh, going on two decades now. Uh, yeah, but I, I, yeah, if Herbert's team you know it moves into the playoffs uh, or makes a run at the Super Bowl, and I think they have the talent to do so, uh, yeah, he could he could jump right in that conversation with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. All right, so. What are your teams to watch for both AFC and NFC, and who do you think ends up, you know, in the Super Bowl, and who's your eventual Super Bowl winner? Prediction. Uh, and I know I'm going to sound like a homer, uh, but when I made my NFL prediction article, uh, I, I, I ultimately chose the Saints coming in at 12 and six, winning the NFC South, uh, and had them winning the NFC, beating the Rams in the conference championship. Uh, I went with a who dat who day Super Bowl. I don't understand the disrespect that the Cincinnati Bengals have gotten this offseason. This is a team that's better on paper than uh, than the one that went to the Super Bowl last year. And everybody's talking about the Bills. Everybody's talking about the Ravens, which I don't get. Everybody's talking about the Chiefs. Nobody's talking about the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to really shut some people up this year. That is that is my team coming out of the ASC, so I 100% agree with you there. And Burrow got an offensive line. That is the one thing. Like, feel like like you're saying they're not talking about the Bengals. But Burrow, if he had not even a half a second more, the Bengals mm-hmm. win the Super Bowl. Because Jamar Chase toasted Ramsey. All Burrow needed was a half a second, and he would have got the ball off because he was going to launch it, and then he had a duck and move. Mm-hmm. You, know what's crazy? you asked me. I feel like between the Bucks game and the Super Bowl, Jalen Ramsey's been figured out. I think. I mean, I agree. He's still a great player, but yeah, yeah, he's he's not invincible. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, I think people. Monte. Now, 
realized. Mike Evans, Jamar mm-hmm. Chase, all three of them toasted him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see something. Unless he's went in, he's gone into the lab and developed his game, there's a chance, you know, Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs, company, they could they could do some damage. I think Diggs will get right. Ramsey. He'll be Diggs who gets Ramsey, I think. Yeah, I mean, if that's I think Gabe Davis goes over a hundred tomorrow, though. Oh yeah, I think so. I hope so. I got him in one of my fantasy leagues. <laughs> you didn't have him in the penalty talk one. I got him in another one. I know that much. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, I'm curious to see that. But I do. I'm like you. I think the Bengals are gonna definitely take it a step further. And you've noticed the game is slowed down for Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. He's cool and calm back there, like he was just like when he was at LSU, and that's yeah, that's scary now. Cause yeah, oh boy, and and that that kid is that kid is surrounded with top, you know, some of the league's top skill position talent. Uh, you know, Cincinnati has an underrated defense that nobody's talking about. There are concerns in the secondary that I have for the Bengals, uh, but that front seven is as disruptive as they come. If they had got Stephon Gilmore. Oh boy, I know. I know he's had a rough last two years. But if you had managed to put Stephon Gilmore and then said bye to Eli Apple, that is your weak your weak link on that secondary. Really, mm-hmm. it was solid, you know. But Apple Apple's got his moments where he looks like he shouldn't even be in the NFL. Yeah, and I'm not saying that because of his comments or anything. Like you see him play, he he literally shows sometimes he shouldn't be in the NFL. Yep. So if you had like, I know there's gonna probably be some corners out there throughout the year. So they're like, you might as well go and try to see if you pull one in. Because I mean, you got you got Wuzia, you got Mike Hilton, and I think they drafted one somewhere in the draft this year, a young one. I I don't remember who, but the Jesse Bates situation should be fine for this year. Next year is mm-hmm. a different conversation. So I mean, I I have them winning the AFC. I don't know the NFC is just such an enigma for me because like I, I want to say the Saints, but I'm like. I have to see first five weeks before I give it to them just because all the questions and I don't want to be like, okay, I'm a homer, like how you even yep. said. But I don't think it's Tampa because they have enough issues and the amount of change they went through is like insane with the offensive line injuries, new coaching staff mm-hmm. as well. And then you're like, okay, Brady's 45 also. But then again, Father Time doesn't hit Brady, even though he looked like absolute like a – you need to be in a retirement home during that press conference. <laughs> I mean, JPC saw it too during the preseason, one of the preseason games, right? Oh, and he, he said he's came back and I got a lot of crap going on or whatever. He looked really old in that video. So I was like, Brady's old. I mean, Matt Stafford, his body, I want to see if it holds up. And then they've got a couple of new pieces on the offensive line because um, what's his name? I'm forgetting the name. He used to be with the Bengals. He retired this year. Whitworth? Yeah, Whitworth and, retired finally. Yeah. He retired. I mean, you got Bobby Wagner in the middle, but that's your only linebacker in that team, really. I mean, and you got Donald. The Rams threw in Porter. Vaughn Miller. Hmm? Vaughn Miller is gone. He's in Buffalo now. So, I mean, they don't really. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Donald's an enforcer, but I mean, look, Vaughn, they needed Vaughn Miller to help boost that defense a little bit to get them there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, he's gone. So now you, who do you turn to? Who do you turn to? I mean, like I said, you got Aaron Donald. You'll still be there, but I don't think they're going back to back. I don't think they're that. 
it's just too hard in the NFL. Like hockey, it's insane to do back to backs, even though it's mm-hmm. been done a bunch of times. Because you know you have to win sixteen games and the physicality that hockey takes on you. But then football, it's win or go home, and you know it's kind of like almost March Madness. You know where it's like anything can happen last second. And mm-hmm. as Saints fans, you you know that last second nonsense that happens. All where too well. Oh, win or lose situation, and you could be the better team on paper and should be in the Super Bowl back to back, and then you lose. Or even look at Seattle when they should have won back to back, and they decided to not run the ball up the middle. Now, like FSU pitched to the right, one yard play, but a uh, simple just jump the hole with Marshawn Lynch type play would have been back to back Super Bowl champs and be the first one since whatever year it was to do it. Yeah, exactly. And listen, guys, I hate to cut you short. I have had a blast, uh, but I got to get flying to my other show. All right. Well, we, thank we you, appreciate man. having you. So, Kamara at seven, right? Hey, I took him at six. So, heck yeah. If he's there at seven, I'm taking him. I know this league is pretty serious. They like actually draft T since I hope he's there at seven. I'm taking him seven, and I'll figure out between Lamb and Mixon at 14. Yeah, right, guys, both of you. It, it has been a pleasure. You put on a great show. Uh, I, I would love to do this again sometime if you'll have me. Yes, sir. All right, no problem. We'll make it work, and then I'm going to check out your boy for the HBCU guys. So yes. thank you guys. Round of applause for uh, Bob. Thanks so much. Take, so hopefully yep. we'll Take care, guys. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, you know it. He's a cool guy. I'm glad he yeah. came up. I'm glad he came. I'm gonna. I want to check out that. He he's a great guy. I want to check out that HBCU guy though. I'm gonna cut that little bit that he mentioned and stuff. Early Which I was gonna cut a bunch of that. I was gonna cut up half the HBCU and like a bunch of the NFL stuff oh, into yeah. like three different videos. Oh, I'm gonna cut that bit up with him for the HBCU part where I'm basically just saying hello, McFly. Hello. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the '80s babies will realize where that's from, so I hope they catch on. But. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I didn't change the background. Hold on one sec. There we go. All right. So, yes, oh, I was oh. made a mistake not getting Billy Napier. Yeah. Yes, they did. Good. Oh wait, let me fix that a little bit. It's not a hotel inn. It's just a regular inn. Yeah. What are you? Did LSU have invested in Billy Napier instead? Yes. All right. Because oh. look, you had him. You had Billy Napier in your backyard, and you let him get out. He was rumored all along to really be going to LSU, and then you just let him slip away and go to Gainesville. And now watch. Florida's going to beat you this year. Florida's going to beat you this year. And you're going to be they sitting are. There. They, they are. They I are. said they will. And Florida fans – no, and LSU fans are going to be sitting there thinking, man, what if we'd have got Billy Napier over Brian Kelly? You could have had him. You could have had him. Because now, you know, you look you look at every media outlet, every media outlet's roasting the daylights out of out of Brian Kelly. I mean, I, I expect LSU to win this weekend, but dude, heck, don't don't you take something lightly if you I know you got Walker Howard and all is good in the world or whatever, but um yeah, y'all y'all gonna have a rough go at it this year. And LSU, the fans are gonna turn on him. Like they did at Orgeron and the memes that came out with Orgeron. Speaking of, did you see Ed Orgeron's interview about when he had said he had been bought out? 
Yeah, Boss Man T. Yeah, we did actually. I, I was gonna get into that. I did talk about it last night. I think I, that that's why they um deleted all their posts on LSU or that everywhere is, actually on all their social media accounts. That is the reason why. Yeah, a lot of see now, the SEC Network and ESPN will tell you it's because of a focus reason, but we know why. It was a lot of racial slurs and death threats that the LSU players have been receiving. So I mean, it shame to see it. You hate to see stuff like that that has no place in the game. Anywhere. Anywhere in society. Yes, I mean it's it's a terrible thing to see, but oh yeah, no, we know we know the real reason why. Everyone knows the real reason why. ESPN's just trying to sugarcoat it and dress it up and make it seem like it was for a focusing reason, but it's not. But um Ace, what were you gonna say? I'm so sorry. Um no, I was talking about yeah, the um I talked about with Kishan Boot and other players, you know, calling their accounts. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. But the other one too though this weekend. Well, actually this weekend too. Florida was impressive this weekend. And then they get Kentucky at home. That's gonna be a good game. That is Will Levis against AR fifteen or Anthony Richardson. You know, Keishon, no, he's not gonna leave. Um, that was it wasn't because of the he's also getting a crap ton of money for NIL from LSU, also, so he's not going anywhere. I don't think anyway, he's gonna if anywhere if he leaves, it will be to focus on getting ready for the draft. He might take the Stingley approach what and go for the draft. Hmm? What year is he? This year. No, I'm saying like what year? Like what what is he a senior this year? No, he's a junior. He's a, oh yeah, so he is draft eligible technically. So yeah. Yeah, he's going this year anyway. So if anything, I think it will be um he he like he says he's gonna focus on the draft and go. Mm-hmm. If that's what is gonna happen there. I could see it. I could see it. And then there's this Ohio State and Notre Dame this weekend. That was I was very I disappointed. The, the ranking people, I don't know. I didn't see the full game, so I don't know if I missed something, but people are saying Ohio State for the uh, national championship because of the defense. It was so, very disappointing, quite honestly. I, I was disappointed in it. I know JNS was hurt and whatnot, but it took them a while for them to knock off the rust. But I wouldn't have them so far as going to this national championship. I think it's going to probably be the SEC championship rematch again if I, bracket allowed it. I I firmly believe that, like, I was looking at that. They better hope to God. Hopefully they figure it out. But then again, Georgia's going to figure it out, too, by the end of the season and get, gain more confidence. Ohio State better hope they don't run into Georgia in a playoff game or Alabama. They better hope they get Michigan. I don't even think Michigan makes it. Honestly, there's some people out there picking Michigan to go into, go into the shoe and beat Ohio State this year. Nah. I'm worried about Southern Southern fans and LSU fans might fight. You know, see, this is why you don't put two teams in the same city on the field together. I I honestly don't like where this is going to probably go this weekend because I feel like there's going to be some things behind the scenes that we don't see that are going to come out later. So I'm that's what that's what makes me nervous about this game. I'm hoping that this is handled better than what. Than- what I assume it's going to be handled as, but I mean, look, man, I, 
I don't know. I just, I really, for the sake of the Southern folk, I hope they just were able to get in there, have a good time, enjoy themselves, and get on out. But we'll, we'll see. We will see. All right. Um, FSU, Jordan Travis. I think Allison was on to something with that. Oh, yeah. No, she was saying it too. She, she said it when we had her on. Don't be surprised. If Florida State has a better year. And she also jumped to conclusion towards the end of the season. She said, Don't be surprised if Florida State beats Florida. I need to see more out of both sides before I actually am convinced. Make that decision. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think we don't know what those two teams are yet. We'll we'll know. No, more. I think Florida looked more impressive due to who they, they played did. and how they, they played. They did. I'll give it to them. I will. But I'm I'm not ready to make a pick yet on a crowning for that pick yet no exactly and i still need to see more from florida honestly because i think i think florida's still going to get a challenge from tennessee i still i expect it to be a, a good game a competitive game this weekend between florida and kentucky i still i don't think florida's better than georgia right now either so there's that no nobody's better than georgia beside maybe alabama oh yeah most oh yeah definitely definitely it's it's no so, contest. Let me ask you this. Did you notice who was the quarterback for Pitt this Keaton weekend at the back? Yeah, I didn't realize it was Keaton Slovis until after the uh, Sunday or something like that. I didn't realize it was Slovis. Yeah, he transferred. I transferred today. It was uh, JT Daniels versus uh, Slovis. Yeah, it was a battle of USC transfers. And it was a pretty decent matchup. I was actually very impressed. It's games like that that make you miss the old Big East, honestly. It really is. The now deceased Big East. What's the score prediction for Southern LSU? Um, you go ahead, Ace. You can do this one first. I'm going to do 28 17. 28 LSU's got enough issues on that team to not blow them out. Mm. I'm going to go 33 33 to 7. We'll go 33-7. You see, you see FAMU and FSU won't, don't do it. Yeah, no, yeah, they won't do it. FAMU and FSU, I do not anticipate probably ever playing each other. I don't anticipate that ever happening. Not for the foreseeable future. No, not at all. I mean, and then, you know, you saw Miami and Florida International, they played each other back in 2006, I believe, 2005-2006, and the game – ended in a fight like a full-out brawl in the middle of the field so i don't i don't see that game really ever happening again you notice miami plays florida at florida atlantic now instead of florida international so those two yeah no it's not happening now the big game this weekend too texas and alabama alabama's million dollar band ain't traveling to dkr stadium Mm. Uh, I do not think AM gets Bama again. Say again? I don't think AM gets Bama again. This is the Longhorns. This ain't the Aggies. My bad. Wrong Texas team. No, but anyway, yeah, Texas is going to get destroyed. Oh, yeah. Most, oh, yeah, definitely. It's. No, but anyway, when I don't. Does Alabama and AM play? I think they yeah, do the dressing. Yeah, they're they do. Not, not this week, but eventually I don't think AM gets Alabama again. Oh, dude, they've been reading the press clippings. Alabama's ready. They're ready for that. 
But you know, now, I mean, Alabama said, "Hey, you want to join the SEC? This is what the long is now, right?" They said, "Oh, you want to join the SEC? Here's what you're coming for. Here's a little bit of what you're coming for. Preview." Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Last week was just a tune-up game to just get get everybody's feet wet. This week, it's they're gonna be dialed in. I feel so bad for Texas. Texas thinks that they got a little something. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> get ready. Get ready. That's all I'm gonna say. That's gonna be that's gonna be something. That's gonna be something. Um, but I mean what else we got tonight? What else we got? Tonight? Uh just a recap of fantasy draft, and I'm gonna be starting a next one right now, actually. Yeah, I mean we recap fantasy last last night. Think, yeah, I, I think I did. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing much to do. I mean, Bo Nix is who we thought Bo Nix was throwing two picks. So let's close oh, it out. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, we predicted it. He, he, he'd throw two picks. Oh, yeah, we got this. Hope family, fam, you can mentally recover because that was embarrassing for the fans and community. Yeah, that that was. And I, I said it, I said it earlier in the show and everything, you know, I, I still think that nine and two is attainable. But at the same time, too, you know, you can't let that type of game affect you. I was listening to Willie Simmons' show earlier on Facebook Live, and he was saying, too, you know, we made some – we made the next amount of mistakes and stuff that, you know, we had to go back and look at the mirror and kind of reflect upon. Now, I know I said earlier in, well, after the game, this isn't a game that you watch again. This is the type of film that you, you take it burn. in the trash and you well, burn no, you keep some parts of it because you show players what to never do again. Exactly. And Willie Simmons did say, too, you know, we have to figure out what we are doing wrong and correct it because the same looks that we got from Jackson State, you can almost guarantee you're going to get the same looks again. And he, as he stated, Albany State is a team that prides themselves on playing good defense and running the ball well. They're going to do everything in their power to run the ball well and find some consistency and try to beat you. Albany State's going to come in and they're not going to be intimidated. They're not. They're going to come in with a purpose. And you got a home winning streak on the line. And of course, right. they made the, the D2 NCAA playoffs last year. So, all right. Question I'm going to probably get one of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, or Kamara. I think I might still go Kamara. Oh. I mean, I'm going to get one. Yeah, one Jefferson, Chase, or Kamara. In this league, I would this go, is the serious one. I'd go with Kamara. Quite I'm still going with Kamara. I think this guy's on auto pick, so I think we're yeah. safe. But yeah, I mean, I will. I'll say this: you just, you know, it's a, that's a game. Willie Simmons did emphasize that they they have a 24 hour rule. I call it the 12 hour rule, but you know, it happened. It's over. You move on. When you dwell on things like this, two losses can become three if you dwell too long. What is Tom yeah, Brady? What does Tom become Brady? an avalanche? What does Tom Brady always say? What's the next? What's the most important ring? The next one. You got to move on to the next one. So focus on Albany State this week. Go into your bye week at least looking looking somewhat like you're alive at one and two, and then come back and get ready for a pretty good Alabama A&M team. And that's that's my that's my opinion. I'll have more for you for y'all on Saturday. Well, guys. Thank you for joining us. I think this episode went really, really, really well. 
I think was, Bob was a great. I honestly, I think Bob was one of my favorite interviews. He gave us some real good stuff, both even in HBCU and NFL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And we'll cut up pieces of the HBCU part and, po- and post it. We'll cut up pieces with Bob and we'll post it. And But, yeah, most definitely, you know, shout out to Bob. Thanks. Thank, we thank him and the Bayou Blitz for um, thank you guys. being our guests tonight on the Running Gun Podcast. Yeah. Definitely going to have to have those guys back on again. Probably Buck Saints week, but the second round. Hmm? Might have to have them on the second time around for Bucks and Saints. I want to get Chris on for Bucks Saints. Yes, I can. I'm gonna shoot my shot for Chris for next week. So we can make it up to Flash. Yeah, I'm gonna reach out to him. Oh, you mean that Chris? I was thinking about Chris Torello. Oh, we could do Torello too, but I was gonna go uh, Rose Vogel. Oh yeah. All right, Devontae Adams, CD Lamb, Tyreek Hill. As he prepares for his fantasy draft, that's gonna do it. I'm in it right now. I need to pick. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Peace, yes. Stay safe. Stay blessed. Peace We're out. All right. Sammy and Albany State, as always. He. Oh, my gosh. He's so locked in. He did that so quick. But as always, yeah, y'all, stay safe, y'all stay blessed. Y'all have a nice evening. Good night. <laughs>